If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. The title of the message today is Christmas, God's Way. Isaiah chapter 9. Now, it's going to be a few minutes before we get there because I really want to lay a solid foundation for the message that I believe God has for us today. Isaiah chapter 9. It's in the Old Testament, Blair. I'll always give you a hint about this. If you have trouble finding a book in your Bible, it does have a table of contents with page numbers on it. Okay? That'll help you. I'm not being smart. A lot of people are not that familiar with the Bible, and, and that really comes in handy. Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> I want to begin with one word today. Mitch is going to put it up there. It's the word honesty. Honesty. Now, most of us know and understand honesty. We're taught it from a kid. It, it literally means, uh, um, means to be truthful in all things. That It means literally truth. And that's another word. He'll replace that, if you will. Truth. Truth. I want to say that again. Truth. Because we live in a culture that largely does not believe truth exists. It doesn't believe absolute truth exists. Thirty years ago, Josh McDowell, in his book, Right from Wrong, told us this. Seventy percent of young people, not just teenagers, young people, young adults, both inside and outside the church, seventy percent did not believe in absolute truth. I can prove there's an absolute truth. All around us. I could stand here and debate this all day long and come out on the winning side. But let's just do a game. I know I'm in my third year here, so I know I have to warn you before I want you to respond. Because out in the parking lot, you have no problem responding, but there's an off switch when you sit down in this facility here. So I want you to turn the on switch on, and I want you to respond. Okay? Are you ready? It's difficult. 60 seconds equals a? 60 minutes equals an? 24 hours equal a? 7 days equal a? Hey, there's a, there is absolutes all around us. How many fingers do you have on your hand? Unless you're Todd, you only got four and a half now, right, Todd? Okay. The truth is there are absolutes. We can find absolutes all over the place. We can find it in the physical world. We can find it in the intellectual world. We can find it in the emotional world. We can find it certainly in the medical world. We can find it in the spiritual world, the church world, the truth world. And by the way, I may need to say this more than you need to hear it. It is my considered opinion, this isn't preaching, this is your pastor's opinion, that there's no such thing as disinformation and misinformation. It's simply a lie. Now, having said that and knowing that all of us have been taught about truth and about honesty, you probably, you may or may not have ever seen a definition of truth, so we're going to put one up here. It'll be up there just for a second. Truth is that which is right for all people. In all places, at all times. 
It's as simple as it gets. Right for all people in all places at all times. Truth is honesty. Honesty is truth. Most of us were taught honesty from childhood. Teenagers, I'm going to tell you this. It's always better to be honest. And I'm going to give you some practical reasons, not biblical reasons. We can talk about those later. Practical, practically is, it's better to be honest than tell a lie. Because first of all, if you come clean to start with, it's going to go better for you, even if you messed up. Second of all, is if you tell a lie, you have to remember who you told what to. If you just tell the truth, it'll stay with you forever and ever. Having said all of that, one of the most difficult truths to admit, one of the most difficult things to be honest about is self. Is self. And we can tell you, we can tell you the honest truth about Eric. We can tell you the honest truth about Sherman. But when it comes to ourselves, man, that's, that's a little bit different. I, me, my, mine is my, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna protect me. And when I tell a story about me, I'm gonna slant it toward me. And that's true whether it's myself, my family, or even my church, or even my belief system. If I'm talking about me, I'm going to spin it a little bit and I'm going to make it make me look as good as I can look. But Tim, I learned this, and I can give you two illustrations so nobody gets, well, maybe everybody gets offended time I give these two illustrations. Having been behind the pulpit as a minister of some kind, minister of music, minister of youth, pastor for almost 50 years, on occasions, uh, people sit down across from me from, for counseling. And I will just tell everybody here, I'm not a trained counselor. I can take God's word and I can share some biblical truths with you. But what I've discovered is that when time a couple gets in front of me and it's so bad that they come to the preacher, they're not going to listen to biblical truths anyway. But here's what I've discovered in all those years of marriage counseling. I can set a, husband, a wife and a husband in front of me and not get the story. The wife's not going to give me the right story. She's going to tell me how bad he is. She's going to slant it. She's going to spin it to make her look good. And the husband's going to do exactly the same. I mean, that's the way it is. Brother Jerry, I don't believe that. Well, you should have walked the last 50 years with me because I've seen it. I mean, in all my time of doing marriage counseling, I have yet to have a couple to come in and for the man to go, you want to know what's wrong with my marriage? It's me. I'm hard-headed. I'm hard to get along. I'm a workaholic. And I'm a control freak. I never had that. Are you stunned? At the same time, I've never had a woman to come in and go, you know what? You want to know what's wrong with our marriage? It's me. I badger him all the time. I try to boss him all the time. I try to control him all the time. If he would just listen to me, it'd be okay. Well, I may have heard that last phrase a time or two. We try to slant it our direction. It gets, that's marriage. How about sports? I know this is going to be a, a tender pulp for some of you this morning. But very rarely, if ever, 
do I hear a fan of a losing team go, we just played a horrible game. We were just simply outmatched. Generally what they say is, oh, sorry, referees, they took it away from us. Do y'all know that I'm telling you the truth? You see, the, the deal is we have a difficult time being honest about ourselves. Now then, I want you to consider something else. I'm going to get to the Scripture, and I believe that the Bible lesson today is powerful to touch us, but I want to have the proper foundation. I want you to think about this, something else. How would you feel? How would you feel if your birthday came and those who were your family and friends spent their time and energy and money and had a big party celebrated themselves instead of you? Now, if I were to ask you to stand, some of you who've already, my age or older, would go, ah, it wouldn't bother me, I'm tired of birthdays anyway. Ah, you know, we'll just kind of blow it off. But the truth is, but the truth is, you would likely experience, and rightly so, some disappointment. I thought they loved me. Some hurt. Boy, it would have been nice to celebrate my birthday. Maybe even some rejection. They don't really care. You might feel that. Chances are I would never say it. I want you to flip that birthday around, as you can imagine, to Christmas. To Christmas. God, when God sent Jesus, he had the angels rejoicing. He had the shepherds going places. He, he had the shepherds rejoicing. He had, when they came back to see the baby, from seeing the baby, everybody who heard the story was amazed and marveling and rejoicing at what God had done. Why? Because God's promised baby boy was born. You see, Jesus came to earth. That's the heart of God. That's, that's Christmas, God's way, if you will. And the question this morning is, as we begin December, what part will Jesus play in your Christmas celebration? I'm sorry for the technical problems. Every time, I, and I've had that video for years. But the question is apropos, where's the line? To see Jesus, there's lines to see Santa Claus. There's lines to buy presents. There's lines for concerts. There's lines for ball games. But where's the line to see Jesus? Where's he going to fit in? To your Christmas celebration. Well, as long as he, uh, as long as he's good with my plans, he's always welcome at my family events. 
But this is going to be about us. This is family time. What? He simply welcomed? He's not the guest of honor? That's not Christmas God's way. The very reason for Christmas God's way is it is God's desire. It is God's design. It is God's purpose that this time be all about his son Jesus, who he gave and who he gave to come and give us life. Now, you didn't think I was ever going to get there. So we're going to take Isaiah chapter 9, just a few verses. And I just want to unpack some things that will, I think, maybe make Christmas take on a different meaning for us today. Chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. I've kind of gone back and forth on this because I may want to stop and speak about the Scripture. But if I get too long, I'll let you sit down. If you can and will, would you stand to honor the reading of God's holy word? Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It begins on the screen in my Bible with nevertheless. So what in the world is he saying nevertheless about? Here's the deal. Chapter 8, some of the previous chapters tell you about how bad the the country of Judah was. They They were in darkness. They had rejected God. God was bringing punishment on them. They were They were outside of his will. And after he's pronounced all these things, he comes to verse 1. He says, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed lands will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the lands east of the Jordan and to Galilee of the nations. The people... Walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have oppressed, excuse me, you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders and the staff on their oppressors, just as you did in the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and and the bloodied garment of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here it comes. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Christmas, God's way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, take your word, take your message, and open the eyes of our heart. We thank you for Bethlehem that we sang about. We thank you that we can come and worship you because of what happened at Christmas. 
Speak to us in the remaining moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I began with the concept of honesty and truth so that we can be honest and truthful about what God says to us through his word. And here's the honesty for you today. God has always known God always knows and God always will know your deepest need. And what your deepest need is, is most of the time not what you think it is. My deepest need is most of the time not what I think it is. God has known our need. God knows our need and he sought to give us an answer to our need. He seeks to meet our need. And Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is him meeting that need. In your bulletin, you're going to find a little sketch like this. This is going to be one of the most simple messages that I've ever shared with you. But I want to give to you what what it is to be and to have and experience Christmas God's way from this text. It begins, first of all, with a promise of God. The promise of God. Now, we all love God's promise. We all love God's promises. That would have been a good place that I didn't have to cue you that you could have said amen. Do you love God's promise? And the truth is, we do. I mean, for years, we in this worship center, when I was here almost 50 years ago, in other places around the country where I, where I led, where congregations sing, we have sung standing on the promises. We love the promises of God. And, and do you know why? It's because when God promises something, you can count on it. It's done. Listen, listen, teenagers, I don't know if this is still the thing now, but God doesn't have to pinky swear. He doesn't have to swear by himself. He, he doesn't have to, uh, old folks, he doesn't have to say, Jack, Jack, no takes back, no changes. You're really old if you heard that one, huh? When God says it, he doesn't have to swear by it. You can know this, he is not a breaker of his promises. Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus. It's the, it's a promise that was made. You know how far back it was made? As far back as the garden. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, in that experience, God said, hey, guess what? Satan had his day here, but one day I'm going to send somebody that's going to crush his head. And in Bethlehem, it was Jesus. He was going to send someone to crush Satan, to cleanse sin, and reconnect us to God. And here's what I want to tell you. Without that one promise, I don't know how good you think you are. I don't know how righteous you think you are. But without this promise of God and Him coming uh, coming to fulfillment in Jesus on that first Christmas morning, without that promise, God's crown creation, that would be you and me, would have no possibility of getting back to God on an intimate level. And that's what we were designed to do. For those of us who are just going about our lives and and we're not connecting with God on an intimate level, 
you're missing your design. If the only time you get along, get with God is when you get in this room, you're missing life. You're missing what Jesus came to give you. God made good on His promise and He sent Jesus. And you can find it right there, verse 6 in our text, for a child will be born for us. Watch this. Oh, anybody can say you're going to have a kid. Then He says, a son. You do realize that there were no, there were no gender tests back then. You realize this was hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and yet the prophecy, the promise was made that he would be a son. Prophecy. Have you ever thought about what prophecy is? I'm going to give you a definition if you want to write it down. Prophecy is history written in advance. History written in it. When God says it, it's done. You see, this child, This child named Jesus, he was exactly what we needed. He was Jesus. He was God's son. He was born at the right time, in the right place, to the right person, for the right reasons, in the right way. And he lives today. He came, he lived, he died to give us eternal life. He lived a perfect life. He died the death of a sinner. And God knew that from the very beginning. God promised to send us a boy who would crush the head of Satan. God delivered. He delivered. And Jesus restores us to the Father. Listen, Jesus is is God's Christmas gift to you. Jesus is God's Christmas gift to me. This is Christmas God's way, giving what we never could get on our own. He gave, He gives, He focuses on His Son. That's Christmas God's way. Jesus, okay, don't laugh too much. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. But I want to say something to you. God's promise is... And his promise one is Jesus. He's your gift. And possibly everybody in this room don't have this gift. Can I give you an illustration? This is Christmas time. Most of us will get some kind of gifts in the mail. And so, can you play a mind game with me? So, a gift comes to you through the postman. And whoever sent it spent more money than, well, actually, buy three Cokes. You want to insure it these days because everything's so high. But sends you a gift, and they insure it, and they make sure that you have to have a signature on it to get that gift. So the postman comes to your house, comes to your box, walks up to your door, knocks, and you're not there. Now, what he does, he leaves you a little note that says, your gift will be at the post office. It's yours, but it's at the post office. And you know what? You will never take possession of that gift till you go get it. Requires, act, requires action of you. You see, God says, here's my son. He's lived. He's been born of a virgin. He lived. He died. He offers you eternal life. Here, here he is. But you've got to take action. 
before he becomes your possession. Now, this is not about joining the church, although joining the church should be a part. This is not about getting baptized, although that should be a part. This is about receiving God's eternal gift of forgiveness, of salvation, of life. That's the promise of God. Child. The second thing I would say to you as we kind of turn the corner is I want you to see the purposes of God. Once you receive his son, what are his purposes? God's purpose for you after you receive his son, after you receive forgiveness, after you, re- after you receive eternal life, after you begin that relationship that goes on day in and day out, God's purpose for you is to have the best this life can offer. I, this is not get rich quick. This is not the... Do you know that... Do you know we rate... That we value the wrong things? We think the best life has to offer is a million bucks in the bank. Why is it that so many millionaires and multimillionaires can buy everything they want and they end their life? I have a video, two, three minutes long, of celebrities who had everything that money could buy and they ended their life. They climbed the ladder wall, the ladder, and they found out it was leaning against the wrong wall. And they were empty. The best life has to offer. It's given right here. Do you, do you know what God does for us? When we come to him, Jesus becomes our everything. Look down at the end of verse 6. and Let me just give this to you. He becomes your wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Somebody told me one time everybody needs a counselor. You have a counselor. That's good. You know what he does? You talk to him or her, and that counselor talks to you. That counselor tries to give you advice. That counselor tries to help you see things. He, tries, he or she tries to direct you, tries to urge you, try to move you in the right direction. Sometimes the counselor on earth is right. Sometimes they're wrong. But let me tell you about Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor. He's never wrong. He will take you through life. He is someone that you can lean on and talk to. Wonderful counselor. Then he's the mighty God. God would be good enough. A God that's personal would be good enough. A true God. Jesus is God. Sent from God. Complimented by God. This is my son whom I'm well pleased Empowered by God. Now he sits at the right hand of God. He's God. But he not only is he just God, he's mighty God. He's powerful. He's authoritative. He's in control. He is supreme. You see, Jehovah God wants you to have his son as your wonderful counselor and mighty God. That's his purpose. How about this next one? Everlasting Father, everlasting Father. Two big descriptive words. The word Father in the Hebrew 
to the Hebrew culture was a strong cultural term. He was the originator. He was the protector. He was the chief. He was the head. He was even the caregiver. He gathered his family together and taught them. Okay, I don't want anybody to beat me up because I already talked to my wife about this. She has a favorite show. I really don't care for it for some other reasons. But I want to tell you, the strong part of this show is the dinner table. It's Blue Bloods. I want you to picture that if you've ever seen it. You have dad on one end. You have granddad on the other end. You have this long table. And all the family gets around it. And sometimes they will sit there waiting for family members. This is not, this is not an option. This is family gets around the table. And at that table, instruction goes on. And that table, guiding goes on. At that table, people can say whatever they feel. And sometimes they knock heads. And, but at the end of the day, they have grown together to love each other more, even if they disagree. That's a, that is a Jewish cultural rendition that we've lost today. I confess to you, we did allow for a time for our family to get out of control. <laughs> A family meal was not something we could do. We just, you were two ships that pass in the night. I mean, we just, if you got together, it was an accident. You see, that father mentality. I heard this from Tony Evans that, that stirred me this week. Is that it's around that table where the real investing took place. Be offended, but we've lost that in our culture today, and that could well be why our families are so fractured and disintegrated. Jesus is the everlasting Father. He's the one that brings us together. It's not just for now. Here's what I want to tell you, and I'm going to move quickly. Not just, not just for now. He's not just the Father for now. He's the Father for eternity. That means forever. That means when you hitch your wagon to Jesus, that means when you hitch your wagon to Jesus, you can hang on forever. Because he has no beginning, he has no end. There's one more here. He gives us the purposes of God. And as his, that The way he directs us is that he becomes, he becomes our wonderful counselor, our mighty God. Our everlasting Father. The last one is the Prince of Peace. So many of us today want peace. We may not own up to it, but we really want some peace. This phrase kind of brings to mind many pictures, but as a prince, he is a ruler because of his lineage, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. As that in that lineage, the spirit, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy. I knew if I didn't warn you, you couldn't get it. 
Peace. Peace. He gives peace. Jesus says, my peace. It's his. It's not somebody else's that he gives us. My peace. I leave with you. It's not peace like the world gives. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the internal stability to stand when the world outside of you spins out of control. Peace. It says, don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. The peace I live with you is not like the world gives. His peace is beyond understanding until you get it. <laughs> I want to say that again. Some of you need to hear that. His peace is beyond understanding until you get it. It's not momentary. It's not just for now. It's eternal. Prince of Peace. Christmas God's way. The, seeing the promise of God. Seeing the purposes of God. But then seeing the power of God. His dominion will be vast. And his prosperity will ever end. Of, his, of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there will be no end. The power of God has no beginning and no end. He, he rules, he reigns, and he runs the universe forever by his power. This is how the baby boy was born in Bethlehem. We can turn to almost any place in the pages of this book, and we can see the power of God displayed because he is the one and only. Think about it. Christmas, God's way, is about his promise being fulfilled, about his purposes being seen in the land and for people, and his power being displayed in every facet through his most precious gift, Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem. That brings us to the last thing, the plan of God. The plan of God. When you see all of these things coming together, if you would take a step back and look, you know what you know? Is that this world is not arbitrary. It's not haphazard. It didn't just happen. God has a plan. The plan that I see is back in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen the great light. The light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Darkness. Just let your mind run with me for a second. In the beginning was God. God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. In Genesis 1, there was darkness. Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. Genesis 1, God gave light, and he separated the darkness from the light, and he gave the earth Adam and Eve. Light. Chapter 3 of Genesis, the first couple, so much like us, disobeyed God, and darkness fell again over their soul. Exodus 3, excuse me, Exodus 3, I think. Oh, maybe 9 or 10. Moses standing before Pharaoh, and he raised his staff to heaven, and darkness fell again. The people who walk in darkness 
have seen a great light. Christmas, God's way, is about bringing his crown creation out of darkness into light. Matthew 4.16 says it this way. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Has a, dawn, has a light dawned in your life? Before I met Jesus, darkness covered my soul. And one day through Jesus, God said, let there be light. I want you to see one more picture here. This is Christmas God's way. A manger? A manger seems what you got there, but I want you to tell you, tell you the overriding arch. Here's, here's Christmas God's way. Jesus at the center of the attention. Whether it's a family gathering or whether it's you by yourself. Jesus at the center of it all. There's a great praise song that says that. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. Will always be and always been Jesus. Our celebrations. Our celebrations needs Jesus at the center. And the only way Jesus gets at the center of our our celebrations is if he's at the center of our families. And the only way he gets to be the center of our families is that he becomes the center of our lives. And I end with this question. Will you do Jesus God's way and celebrate his son? You might need to you might need to come to Jesus for salvation. You might need to return to Jesus for the next chapter in your journey because you may have strayed away. But it's all about Jesus. Let's pray together.